Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Uh, we are continuing our conversation from before about MVPs. We're missing Paul, but I am here with Connor and Cameo. Um, I'm sure that in comparison to the last episode, viewers are going to notice some differences in, in the studio. So just wanted to call it out now. Um, it's much prettier. Yeah. Uh, which is exciting. This is cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of the progress, even between like yesterday when we started recording there, you know, the paint walls are changing colors. <laughs> it's cool. It's way cool. Anyway, um, let's talk about MVPs. So we're going to start with examples of successful MVPs and, and, um, there are a lot of, there's, by the time that anybody hears any of these brands, Dropbox, Airbnb, Instagram was originally bourbon. Like there's all these different things that people are, they have a lot of recognition for, but most of the time, the story of where they came from is not apparent, right? Most of the time, by, by the time you hear about a Airbnb, it has already got a million users on it. Usually that exactly it's 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 an established product by then so just want to kind of talk about the the story of how these started up and we actually have a really cool clip uh regarding airbnb that one of the founders was where where was he talking what was what was the context of the inner or the uh where he was talking about this i always just assume everything's stanford. on lenny's podcast so, well, <laughs> it was like a stanford business school okay lecture yeah and he's just up there. Yeah. Okay. So this, I, I haven't heard this. Excellent. And you, you might have either? heard the clip. You might have. Heard okay. The clip, Maybe. We'll see. I started it, and then now I was we get like, a better reaction. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Investor that Joe and I ever met was in University Cafe. This cafe. An investor walks in. He goes to the, get a smoothie. He sits down. He never picks his head up. He's drinking a smoothie. He's like on a straw, taking a smoothie. We're pitching him. Halfway through the presentation, he gets up because he has to like move his car. We still haven't seen him since. So that was our first pitch. We pitched Paul Graham at White Combinator. Nice. We ended up getting White Combinator. The first question Paul Graham asked me is, people are actually doing this? Like <laughs> staying in their homes? And I said, yeah. So the second question was, well, what's wrong with them? The other day we kind of went downhill from there. That's honestly but a good moat. Over the course of If other people journey, think it's insane, you know, we, but um, people are doing it. We're about to leave our interview. And Joe takes out a box of cereal. And a box of cereal we designed. So we'll take a quick detour. We provided housing in 2008 for the Republican and uh, Democratic National Convention. Yeah. And you'll remember that was when Barack Obama was running for president. It was like a huge movement. And that weekend, we launched. And we got like 80 bookings. And I thought at this point, we've made it. We're huge. Like a bunch of blogs covered us. I'm like, we're like the Beatles of tech right now. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the next weekend for, uh, for Senator McCain, we got two bookings. And then the week after, we got no bookings. And I realized if only there were political conventions every week, we'd have a business. So we were called Airbed and Breakfast. The Airbeds weren't selling. So we said, I know what you're thinking. Why not breakfast? And so we created this Barack Obama and John McCain themed breakfast cereal. We called the breakfast the Obama O cereal, Obama O's. Like little Cheerios, the breakfast of change. The and breakfast of change. About John McCain, and he was a captain in the Navy. And I thought, oh my God, Captain, Captain McCain's a maverick in every bite. So we made these boxes. <laughs> and these guys are designers for sure. You're definitely an employee. Like, this is just not a good 
we end up designing these boxes. We call General Mills, like, hey, can you make 100,000 of these? They're like, please don't ever call us again. Um, How did you get this number? So we ended up, I'm making that up, I can't remember who it was, but some big cereal company. So we ended up getting like a thousand boxes of cereal. We hand glued them ourselves. Like, I remember hand gluing cereal boxes, these collectible breakfast cereal, thinking, I wonder if Mark Zuckerberg ever glued cereal boxes. And the answer is no, he didn't. This is not a good sign. But we ended up making like $30,000 of collectible breakfast cereal. So we basically said at that point, we're cereal entrepreneurs. And <laughs> that was how we funded the company. So we are in this interview, Paul Graham. He's like, what's wrong with you? Like these people, why are strangers staying together? And we, by, when we leave the interview, we give him these boxes of cereal. And he said, what are these? And we said, we made these. He goes, why did you make these? He said, actually, this is how we funded the company because no other investors gave us money. And he said, well, if you can figure out how to get people to pay $40 for a $4 box of cereal, maybe, just maybe, you can figure out how to get strangers to live with each other. So that's when we entered Y Combinator in 2009 after you know, a couple dozen investors just thought this was not for them. I think I've heard this story before too. And he says that they had a um, binder you know, like you know, like those binders that you put like collector, like Magic Gathering Pokemon cards in, of credit cards that they were maxing out. <laughs> I, I think I think this yeah. is the same group, the well, same guys. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I can't. So the 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 local car company. What's their names? Um, Vander. Oh, Vander. Uh, Vanderhall. Vanderhall. Yeah. So the people who started that, they have a. A sheet company in Logan. I saw a thing. They totally ha did that. They had yeah. over a million dollars in credit card <laughs> debt that they were carrying. That they personally, would move, personally, that they would move and and they were constantly moving it around. He said they had like a full time person whose job yeah. was to move around the credit card like, debt. Oh, just flip. Oh, and page just, seven. Hey, yeah, <laughs> go find that credit card because they couldn't get anybody to invest them. And they're a multi multi yeah. billion dollar company. Yeah, I think Airbnb was the same. They said, and another time they said they made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling these boxes of cereal. Yeah, they went in thirty k and yeah. they yeah you turned it all around. Thousands. It's interesting. I like I knew the story. But it still doesn't quite register that it was airbeds and air beds. literally air, air mattresses. Literally air mattresses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so let's let's talk about their MVP. Um they they were they were renting out their apartments mm -hmm. with airbeds on the floor. And you know, people have to be pretty desperate for a room to sleep on an airbed on right. the floor. And I don't even know how indicative that is of like the business model that they have today. Most of, yeah, most of the bookings that people, that, you know, they want a whole house to themselves. They don't want to share a room. Um, if, if I am sharing space, I've, I've done a few Airbnbs, um, sometimes like up in Park City or when we do visits like Vegas or whatever. If I am sharing space, it is kind of like, it's weird being in the kitchen with strangers, uh -huh. you know? But if I have an external door, I'm, I'm down, whatever. Yeah. I, I have a theory that people who wear shoes or flip-flops in their house are more likely to Airbnb in open spaces. Okay. Interesting. Now that's a do you, wear, do you wear shoes in your kitchen? Uh, no, I don't. Boom. No, I don't. Same point. <laughs> Not in my kitchen. It's like, can you imagine like being barefoot in a kitchen with some person you've never met? That's like <gasps> so intimate. Yeah. It's too actually, much. <laughs> <now that laughs> but if I'm wearing my shoes 
or my sandals. I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, could, I could run if I had to. <laughs> that's, the, that's what it is. Start bringing Crocs. <laughs> I had never heard this uh, story before, and it makes me wonder a little bit about, about them as a company and what actually made them take off. I don't know how much traction they had had before they joined Y Combinator. And not a lot. And you know, the thing that, the thing that, be, well, Connor could probably speak better about what you get out of being in Y Combinator. But you know, so much of the narrative around Airbnb makes it seem like they have a website, they get traction with their website, which shows them that there's a market. And then you imagine this hockey stick kind of success after that. But in fact, the reality is they did have some early success, validated that there was, that people would in fact do that. Yep. But they hadn't actually nailed their value proposition at that right. point. Yep. And which is what I'm assuming Y Combinator helped them do. Yeah, two thoughts. Uh, one, I'll talk to the Y Combinator in a second, but um, it's, that's like the most power. You are like so ultimately powerful in that moment where you have done something to validate a value proposition or a problem to be solved. And other people say that's insane uh -huh. because you know something they don't and they're going on their gut and you're going on hundreds to potentially thousands of people saying, no, I, I would do that. And so they were, they were infinitely powerful in that space because they knew something they they actually knew something they didn't believe something they were starting to know something that other people thought was insane right so so when they get into y combinator i, I love these guys because they're both designers so uh -huh. it's very interesting to see uh so i just had a startup that we that was uh i used to be really good at this one-liner but i'm not anymore so i'll, <laughs> I'll suffer through this um it's a an add-on, it's a piece of IoT hardware that adds on to existing door opening motors. And it would use Bluetooth to range with someone's phone to open the door when they're within range. So it's an accessibility. An accessibility yeah. kind of social venture, uh, which is a great place to be if you can make money doing social good because mm -hmm. you can raise loads of money doing that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. including Y Combinator. So we, we were really early successful. We went to this massive, I found this massive accessibility conference where like, 500 universities were at this convention center in Orlando, Florida. And everyone, and we got on the floor for free because someone local knew liked us. And uh, they put us like on the back, right? Like we're facing away from the door on the end of a row. <laughs> and, uh, every, but everyone else there was like selling e-readers and software to make your website accessibility. Okay. Yeah. And so everyone sees us and it's, we're like young guys. Some of my founders are really good looking. One of them is Italian, um, <laughs> very suave. And, and so, you know, all these people are just very excited. And we got like a hundred commitments for, uh, to be paid beta users. Oh, wow. For universities yeah. who are buying 200 to 500 units a piece and yeah. then paying a monthly fee. So we took that to Y Combinator with, a, with a, a couple of local people in Utah who've been in and they said, yeah, this is a shoe in. And, uh, and we got in. So the, I would say the story for Airbnb, the thing they got the most, uh, from what I can tell, there's loads of things you get, loads of connections, uh, lots of time with investors. The Paul Graham used to do used to do his blog. He still does. If you're if you're interested in startups, you should be reading Paul Graham's blog. 
-hmm. It I looks agree. straight out of like 1997, mm -hmm. like oh, pure, really? a pure HTML page. Yeah. And it's, it's like solid gold. Um, the new series is are good too. Um, with, with, I can never remember the new guy's name, but, and even, even the, yeah, so they're all good. But the thing that he told Airbnb was, uh, the do things that don't scale. Right. Uh -huh. And, uh, he said, oh, you're never going to just track against every convention. Like you should just go find, and they were, the idea was like, you should just go find like the craziest apartments you can that are so beautiful, but not occupied. And, and then, and then they tried that it didn't really work. So instead they, uh, tried the eBay marketplace kind of thing. And Paul Graham said, you should go to every person's apartment, take professional photos Oh, interesting. with a real camera uh -huh. instead of like, I mean, this is the time of like barely an iPhone era. Right. Yeah. It's like a really crappy, like two megapixel camera uh -huh. that they're, and they're bad at it. Yeah. So they went and they would fly places. And light them professionally. And light it uh -huh. and like have a decent $500 camera at the time. And, and that made a huge difference for them. And, that's, sure. you, yeah. and that doesn't scale. No. They, did, they said they did like 100 to 200 times and they hired someone to do it to like 10,000. Well, it's interesting because that like built a market. Now yes. short-term rent rentals are a whole thing. It's a whole yes. different yes. thing, you know, than just a regular landlord. Yeah. They like innovated a business model. Yeah. Um, yeah. Them and Uber and kind of this like, you know, I mean, we love it. I love it because of this whole decentralization idea. Like you, they pushed margin to the edges. They did. They like broke up this market and said, oh, hotels, sorry, like everyone gets to compete here, not just you. Yeah. So that was awesome. The interesting thing to me also about this clip is there's somebody I posted today on LinkedIn about um, if you're a founder, you all, you have to be a seller. You have to be able to sell. And, and you think about like, what it takes to sell a $40 box. Like that's, they didn't get into Y Combinator because they had a well-validated idea, which yep. I, th I think is a lot of times what we tell ourselves, right? They had, a, yep. they had successfully nailed the concept behind MVP. They got into Y Combinator because they were creative and they were figuring out how to sell something that wasn't even related to their business idea. Like that's- right. It, <laughs> And even and listening to him, I'm like, is this guy a stand up comedian? Or has he just said this a thousand times? Uh, probably both. <laughs> and maybe, I mean, maybe he's just that. It, you'd have to almost get to know him to know whether, yeah. how much of that was taught. And, yep. But it, it's just an interesting story. Yeah, that's. Um, so that was like our first example. Uh, there's a few, you know, Dropbox was a similar thing. I don't know a lot of Dropbox's story. So here's Dropbox's story. They they had a belief about um, about people storing things in the cloud, but really it had never been done before. Not not really. I mean, right. it was not something that was happening at that time. So they built a demo video of a proposed bunch of functionality. They had not developed any software, um, but they made these demo videos and showed the core functionality of Dropbox, which wasn't just that I can save something to, into the cloud, but that I can then access that from any device from anywhere in the world and, and have it be like real time. Were they targeting? Which now, now does not seem that remarkable. Right. This is like 
18 years, 20 years ago. Yeah. Were they targeting businesses? What What was the, who, who was the market? That's there? a great question. I honestly don't know. I know they got a lot of really early traction for, for based off of that video right. that allowed them to get funding to build it because they didn't have. Also YC backed, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Um, but but I, I don't know that. Interesting. Now I want to go, you know, research. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, you know, file, file synchronization wasn't technology that existed at that point in time. Microsoft didn't have it. Like n nobody had. I remember the first time I got a, a Dropbox account and it was a really, it was like really, really cool because you had a phone already, but your phone couldn't get to the things that, that existed with your computer. There was no cross device accessibility, like common at all. It's and now, now it's before, like, before exactly. Before AirDrop, oh, before yeah. Google Drive. Yeah. So. Uh, let's move on to some failed ones, some uh, um, some sad stories. Unless you have more. Well, I um I think Uber's. You know, Uber's a cool one. Here's the uh, Connor kind of glossed over this or, or went right past this point, but it's you know s these companies are notable because they are they are change makers, mm. right? Like. Airbnb didn't just have an app that'll let people, you know, sh sh share their house. They changed what it meant to go and and travel. Yeah. It's where travel no longer took place at a centralized location. It's yep. decentralized. Mm -hmm. Uber's the exact same thing. The stranglehold that cab companies have had on travel when you you know unless you rent a car you have complete dependency on the cab companies and you know the mob kind of owns that right i don't have to speak on anything the mob owns especially when they no longer have anything to lose right <laughs> they've lost it all no, they lost. no that's that's right and i think that i think that looking back it's it's crazy to see how the stars aligned because i don't think that they were sitting in a room and they were like Oh, you know what? This opens up the world of opportunities for where anyone could go vacation. No, or, no oh, way. Oh, it creates experiences like a local. You could have a local experience wherever you go now. I don't think they're thinking that. Like, right? They just like happen to see. I don't even know they're thinking like, oh, I like hotels shouldn't have a corner on this market. No, I Uber I, Uber maybe certainly is way more obvious to me that like, oh, cabs suck. We hate working with cabs. They always gouge us. Like, yeah. they shouldn't own it. Yeah. But Airbnb was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could just like find a place to stay anywhere? Well, and like he talked about in that clip, the when they really started to to realize it could work was the RNC convention, the DNC yeah. convention, right? And where it was like these these events where everyone needs to be in one place, regardless of hotel or like you can be in the suburbs, you can be wherever you need to be to get there. And then they're like, well, we need conventions every day yeah. <laughs> to make this happen, yeah. you know? So being able to pivot from there. I think we should also talk about Instagram because, um, you know, I, I've heard a lot people say how cool it's been to watch chat GPT and their adoption and how quick the adoption has been. And there's that like 
adoption through history. Mm -hmm. Instagram, they got to a million users within a month of their release. Now that was a pivot for them from what they originally were, which was mostly a location data kind of thing yeah. where you could check in and location. I think we talked about this yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, and then they realized that that it was the people sharing the pictures that people were actually excited about. Somebody just came by and threw their glasses <laughs> at us. It was the craziest <laughs> thing. <laughs> anyway. uh, um, locations. But then, yeah. yeah, then they then they pivoted because they weren't getting traction. And within a month of that pivot, you talk about like showcase seeing that you are actually getting some real real traction and then that, like it they it took off from there well even to that point in the in the decentralization of of industry so one of the things that instagram did that that really caught on was one it kind of it allowed people to crowdsource marketing uh-huh. you know now you have influencers you have people that are doing sp- sponsored par- or partnerships things like that and the the original part of bourbon the the location data is specifically what they're using to feed marketing material to users uh-huh. like it's a core yeah. part of right. the function of the whole app uh-huh. um and it makes it really so you can you can get really targeted ads in well all social media now right sure but sure but this was one of the one of the first times when they really leaned in on like leverage that leverage the location stuff. I I think I got on Instagram for the first time in 2012 and the first picture I ever posted was like on a road trip to Oklahoma. I was spending a summer out there. Bless you. And uh so I just have this random picture in Kansas and it I to this day I can still go to that post or yeah, go to that post and see where I was and it's like I want to go back there now, you know. You know, I heard once that as appealing as Instagram was for Facebook as a, like as for the, uh, just the engagement that it had, Mm -hmm. that it was actually the location data that they were buying the entire thing for. Yeah. Because they they knew they could see from a marketing perspective what that was going to provide them. Yeah. You know, and they always buy with the mind of how how are we going to use that. Well, and and it's that thing where you, you get to change what marketing is, right? Before... These these companies are building out personas and trying to get their content to specific people. The first time I ever did Facebook ads, I was kind of in shock because it was like, oh, I can pick men from 22 to 32 in this county that are into these five things and feed it directly to them. Yeah. And that was the sum of the parts of Facebook buying Instagram and the, like uh-huh. all of that. And to this day, that's still, you know, Something that if if you want to just lean in and only do marketing via social media, you can you can you can decentralize yep. anything now. Although exactly although Apple's that. made it a lot harder for Facebook to do yes, what they, they want to do. So. Yes, they have. Um, we actually should have a separate episode, really, just about like the impact of of that ability to target marketing mm-hmm. because it. I think it's changed the world more than people even comprehend. And it's, it's just a really fascinating, fascinating topic to me. Yeah. Similar, similarly, I, I feel similarly. It's, it's funny. I used to, this, I dated this girl years ago and she was uh, in marketing and she went to a conference and the day that they went, they had like a whole day on 
Facebook targeted ads. Uh And she came home and she was like, that was the spookiest thing I've ever, ever learned. The amount of stuff that they know. She was just like, I I don't want to be on Instagram myself anymore. (laughs) So she pulled out. But it's cool because, you know, the the more data, as a data person, I'm always going to say this, but the more data I have, the better, you know, it depends on what we're going to do with it. But I, we can always do, we can be so much more successful the more data that we have access to. Well, and, you know, just to go a little Web3 here, um, I think for a lot of the people who get really passionate about Web3, it's that component. Like, I actually want targeted ads. Right. I I love ads that know what I like to buy. Yeah. That, I think it's super awesome. I just want to be able to decide who gets my data and and how it's used. And then I want to be able to monetize it because somebody's yeah. making a lot of money off of me and it should be me. Right. Yeah. Even in the form of, <laughs> even in the form of discounts, right? Like if I could sign up and instead of them having to pay the ad company, for all my data, they could just get it from me and they gave me a discount. That'd be great. I would do it. it yeah, totally. In a heartbeat. And it doesn't even cost them. They like literally just save money and get more sales. Well, the other part to Cameo's point, like I've I've envisioned this before where all of my all of my ad data is stored somewhere on chain and I rent it out to whatever company. So for the same reason, so I can get relevant ads Uh to me. I'm more inclined to actually shop that way. Um, But the other issue, and you know, this is Apple's thing and how they're getting in front of Facebook. Right now with these monolithic companies, all of that data is there, whether I consented to it or not. (laughs) And it's, it can be, and has been genuine security issues because of that, because they, you know, all these data brokers that exist where they gather as much as they can on you and then sell it to uh-huh. Facebook or the government or whatever they're doing. This, that, that future protects us in yeah, that way. And I agree. So someday we're, we should build that. Someday. <laughs> we should get on, we should get all over that. Um, let's talk about failures. Let's talk about Quibi. Quibi. Let's Quibi. talk about Quibi. Uh, yeah. You first. I'll I'll talk. I have a lot to say about Carvana, <laughs> so we'll okay, get to that okay. one in a second. Well, Quibi is pretty notable for the amount of money that they lost and the amount of time that they lost. I barely remember Quibi because it was like a blip. They it were was a video eight, nine months. They yeah. were uh, they were like between Vine and TikTok, okay. and really they were trying to make short form like mobile video. Um, they spent one point either two or 1.8 billion in eight months. Um, the people who started it were like Meg Whitman, who was the former CEO of, oh, what's, I can't even think of what Meg Whitman was the former. Um, Excuse us while we furiously every, Everybody Google. Google or chat. CEO of is Quibi you. is what she's known for uh, now. <laughs> poor Meg. I was an executive in the Walt Disney Company. Oh, yeah. She ran for governor. HP. Jeff, yes, HP. HP. And then Jeffrey Katzenberg is the is the uh, Disney executive. Mm. And Katzenberg, um, he's quoted as saying, "Oh, she's like, the CEO of eBay." Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's like legit. Um, 
they were so unbelievably arrogant. They knew that people, they believed that they knew exactly what people wanted. Katzenberg is quoted as saying something like, we don't even need to talk to people because we know that this idea is so amazing. Yeah. And, and it, it maybe was, right? It, and who knows whether this is a... This was in 2020? This is not that you long was, ago, yeah. right? It, it feels like so... it should have been <laughs> so long ago. Yeah, I mean, they had the perfect opportunity, right? Everyone was stuck at home because of yeah. COVID. And like, yeah, that's why, that's why I don't have any memory of this. Still didn't work. This was one COVID ago. Katzenberg has blamed it on COVID. That, that should have made it better. Well, <laughs> she, yeah, go tell TikTok who gained a billion followers right. during COVID. Yeah. Because they didn't seem to have the same problem. So in, in September 2020, just five months after its launch, Quibi was considering sale or acquisition with a valuation of $500 million, despite its $1.75 billion initial investment, having failed to meet subscriber targets. Coverage. Wouldn't be nice. Dude. <laughs> wouldn't right. be nice. So, let me just take a couple million dollars CEO role to waste a billion and a half dollars. It's so shocking. Think about how many good, cool things we could build with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I needed like a, a one one hundredth of that to build something amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, when you think about MVP, like I haven't seen actually a very great analysis of what their early stage product development and validation looked like. Because it would be right. really interesting. You know, it might have been, it's not uncommon to see this for startups. They actually validate an MVP. They see that people have demand for it, right? It's You probably don't just dump a, a billion dollars down in something if you don't have some belief that it's going to have traction. But you sure can screw stuff up even at the traction point if, if you stop believing that you need to continually talk to and iterate with people. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you know, we had, we had product market fit. Right at the beginning, where did it all go wrong? Well, you you believed that as you continue to add features, you didn't need to go back and revalidate those assumptions again and again and again and again. But I don't know that that's exactly what happened to them. I, I Such an interesting case. I'd actually, I was kind of looking through some of the analysis that they've talked about. And so there's an article in LA Magazine that, is literally titled insiders say Quibi may have been doomed from the start <laughs> and, and they go uh -huh. off to explain it. My laptop. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I, I sat through three or four layoffs at ancestry in six years and uh, hundreds of people to like from seven to 14% layoffs each time of the engineering staff. And it was kind of always the same story. Mm. Uh, the two that are most memorable are I probably I mean I, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but you know as product managers talk, and product managers love uh, validation, and so one we called uh, what was it me gentainment, it's like trying to be genealogy social media oh, gentainment. Okay, the oh, worst part was I'm, I'm I feel so bad dogging some of the executives for this, but just one in particular kind of I don't know. Anyways. I remember because on the first slide it said me gentainment and then it had a trademark like superscript. 
TM. Okay. And so then like, we started trademarking everything unofficially. Like anything would ever use that word. Yeah. Me, Gentainment. <laughs> oh, dang. Got him. So hot right now. <laughs> so anyways, they did, they, you know, they ended up at like 75 people working on this thing. That, they, that this one executive was like so a pet convinced uh -huh. it was going to work. And the lead product manager and I were pretty close at the time. And she, I would ask her because they were using a lot of our services to try to do this feed thing. I'd be like, oh, well, you know, how many, what are customers thinking? She would say, oh, they hate it. I'd go, why are you working on it? She said, well, I was promised I wouldn't lose my job if it fails. I'd go, wow. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's comforting. She's, well, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> I'm gonna finish that. She it's comforting it. for her. She didn't, and and but all the time, I we she would meet with me because I had loads of services that they wanted to use to make this thing to fill the data, and I would say, well, you know, what what's the feedback today? Like, what's the next iteration? And for like nine months, this went on, and they never had anything where she said, yeah, this is good. It was always, well, we made these changes, and like, but people still don't really care. Um, and then like 75 people were laid off who had been hired to do this thing, hired or had chosen to go over there. Ancestry has a really great internal work, like movement policy. And so like you could, you could go, you could be like, Oh, I, I would think that's cool. I want to go work on it. And then you could go. <laughs> and so some of them did. And they didn't, and they did, there's no going back, right? <laughs> nope. There's no going back. Um, and luckily Ancestry did the thing a lot of companies don't do, which is, uh, fire the executive first. Right. First. Which is rare. Which is rare. Mostly. Usually they get to they get to hang on a little longer mm -hmm. than everyone else. Just spin it down. But and then the same thing happened. They had another product, health product, DNA health product. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, I think they made like two hundred thousand uh, dollars after spending almost twenty million dollars in marketing. So there's this really great article. And you didn't get... hear those numbers from me. No, no, no. <laughs> In fact, I'm trying to gloss over like any, any corporate secrets. <laughs> there's this really you great guys. article by, do you guys know who um, Scott Galloway is? He's an NYU professor um, of marketing. And he has, he has actually a really great newsletter. Um, but he has an article that's called, it's about WeWork specifically. Mm. But he talks about great corporate failures. And he uses this number that he calls the daily Benjamin burn. Like, like if you go and you look at the Quibi thing, they burned through $1.2 billion in eight months. He says their daily Benjamin burn was $2.2 million. That's how much money they were wasting every single day. Oh, oh. So then he starts to compare this across a variety of things. And because he's talking about WeWork, he has Newman's loss as a, as the CEO of WeWork at $13.1 million a day. Okay, but do you know who the winner is for the greatest loss per day of any corporate thing ever? It's Steve Ballmer when they bought Nokia. They were $22.2 million a day was what their Benjamin Byrne was. You think, you think he was sweating? Palmer <laughs> just picked it up. He's <laughs> such a sweaty he, man. Funny, man. <laughs> He's You've a never heard, man. seen the developers, developers. <laughs> He's just dripping sweat. So, <laughs> so, so sweaty. Oh man. Was he, was that for, he was made funny. for the Pacific Northwest for sure. That is super funny. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Yeah, that I'll share that crazy. article. It's super interesting.
So I think that it's interesting to, to talk about what what actually kills some of these companies because we've been we've been Cameron and I've been really heads down on this like what stops companies from actually innovating consistently and the hubris we've talked a lot of, about some hubris of executives uh-huh but you know there's you didn't actually validate or you you maybe did validate but then you skipped a phase in the middle right like instead of having you wanted your validation curve to be a hockey stick and it just wasn't right i think that happens to a lot of us yeah especially if you if you can exert money pressure and see growth yep you know if you spend enough money the right way it can really deceive you into believing yep. that you have something that's a much better idea than you do and maybe your messaging is great which means you validated something right like that maybe the problem <clears throat> or the thing but you know I don't I don't know. That means your product solves the problem. Well, and maybe that last part is the, the hardest thing. Like your yeah. MVP can tell you that there's a problem or there's a desire. But then if you can't pull off the execution, like if your usability is really, really poor, um, kind of going back to that cool story about Airbnb where they went out and took professional pictures. Would they have ever gotten the, to the growth if they hadn't invested in changing the experience for the mm -hmm. users, right? Like the market was there, but they needed to be able to execute in such a way that could engage the market that they wanted because they had to be able to compete with hotels who use yep. professional photographers. Well, such, that's such an interesting case because now that is what the short-term rental landlords do, right? They, Everybody so, does it. So the, user, uh, the, the founders of Airbnb kind of went through the steps of what I would do if I owned property that I wanted to rent out on Airbnb. You get the property, you go, you take beautiful pictures of the place, you get the content ready. Like this whole process that they did is now the flow of a short-term rental landlord. Like right. they, they have to mimic that flow. And that's that's what made it so successful, right? Mm -hmm. They finally invested in the in the the user experience. And now the users do exactly that thing. They exactly because they've that. been trained, but also because if you go in and list a property, mm -hmm. they will give you guidance all the way right. through. Here's what you need to do to have a successful rental. Yeah. Um I did some work with this group that works with Tony Robbins a couple of years ago. And they, Tony Robbins and this educational group that they have had bought mastermind.com. Mm. Great URL. They spent a million dollars on it with the goal that if you go through, if you're part of the Tony Robbins, like his, his top tier people who kind of pay into that top tier, a big thing that a lot of them are doing is taking their expertise and then making courses around it, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of replicating that Tony Robbins thing. They found the same thing. They built this whole e-learning platform for these people who have all this expertise to come and go in and build all their own courses. Cool. But just because you have expertise doesn't make you a great course person, right? right. And so they had all this content on mastermind.com but they couldn't get anybody to come in and engage with it because it wasn't the kind of quality that people expect from, because they needed, right. they needed somebody to go in and do all that training that now a lot of people get when they go in to build their Airbnb page. Yeah. You know, because mm. it's actually the interesting part of decentralizing. 
you can't just like say we're going to have people do things that people haven't traditionally done and expect for people to come and buy it for them if they can't replicate the professionalism that we expect from from that kind of a service, right? You're not going to go rent somebody's house if the picture doesn't compare to the hotel picture, yeah. right? Yeah. Also, we should have a part of this podcast where anyone could throw out a crazy startup idea at any moment. I have, All right. I have, I have a few. Right. Oh, no, yeah. no, I'm just saying, based on what we're talking about, it's called BNB GPT. Okay. okay. Oh, okay, okay. Here we go. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally, you put a picture of your house into it, and it doesn't even use GPT. It uses MidJourney uh-huh. and just makes beautiful pictures of a house that doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. And then writes an Airbnb article for it, right? Mm-hmm. Writes it all up. You could probably do an interesting art. I'm sure there's products out there that you you post about your house, and then it makes a, a listing for you. Pre-build. Actually. Pre-build. Like, like- yeah, yeah, now yeah. You have it. Oh, yeah. Now and then, and then we send out to an email list of investors who we just scraped off the internet. We have no contact with them. So you should invest in this BNB. I'll tell you what. On that idea, I think you might have shared or commented on something on LinkedIn where it was somebody went through their house and took like I don't know 40, 50 pictures of their house. Oh yeah. And then the AI went and built the thing. Uh-huh. If you do that. And then have the AI act as a professional photographer and yep. go take beautiful pictures of your home with yep. the lighting and stuff just by you walking around for a little bit. Love it. That would sell. That well, would, that if, would get if users. you have the 3D yeah. images of uh-huh. a house, you could put that in a mid-journey in a heartbeat and say, make me photorealistic copies of this that are beautiful and the perfect lighting. Yeah, exactly. And then it would do it. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, exactly. I, Every the last house I sold and then my rental, we spent a lot of money having professional pictures taken. And well, the guy's great. He sure. Is. Yeah, yeah. We'll call it mid-century modern journey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at naming companies except our company. Because we still don't have a good name. I, I we're close, blast, man. We're close. Blast, 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 blast off. Let's go. Blast off. <laughs> I've got a really good one. Let me just share it. You, you get in. Are we still having a podcast here? No, <laughs> okay. no we're, no, val- we're validating. Yeah, if you think this is a good idea and you would invest it. in us, then let us know. Uh, uh, this one's actually about ancestry. So oh, a while ago, <laughs> I had an idea to do a dating app that would link to your ancestor 23 okay. just, oh, okay. just to make sure so you're you not related to the type of people that you want to swipe that's on maybe awful it's, i don't know <laughs> yeah how do i respond uh, to yeah. 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 No. Yeah, i don't know yeah. uh, could, go, could go either way you know i'm like, into it probably not something pointing about like only for third cousins you know yeah hey listen even in the u.s marrying your first cousin is totally allowed yeah, you just have to be it's, sterile. No, they don't, they don't oh, even require I, that anymore. The genet, geneticists have found that there's not actually problems with people marrying their first cousins. I'm not willing to swallow I, that I'm, thought. I'm, 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 not saying, <laughs> Come on, we, I'm not processing that thought very well. Really, you know, this went off the rails. BMBG and GPT. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. DNA Tinder, huh? <laughs> DNA Tinder. Ouch. Um, no, but it's, it's back to this thought of like what kills the startups. Like this idea, even this idea of BNB GPT, like, oh, cool. That could maybe work. And I'm sure there's like 10 of them already. But it's it's uh, uh, this idea of your validation. Whenever I've, I've done so many interviews and the thing that's always interesting to me is how 
people describe the process of discovery and validation from like idea or problem all the way through to delivered. And that's why I love the double diamond because it's a very linear looking shape. And I think that a lot of us hear about TikTok and we're like, oh, there was, their validation was not linear. It was like para parabolic uh -huh. or logarithmic, right? Uh -huh. They like had something and all of a sudden it was hyper validated by users in a moment. And I just don't think for the average company that happens. I think honestly, yeah. it's probably like a low sloped curve yeah. where mm -hmm. you're not getting as much validation as you would like until you finally find the thing and then your slope goes up somewhat. And if you're lucky, it goes up a lot. So, so let's kind of go to the side a little bit because I've, the last many years, what we've seen is a lot of money dumped into growth. Yep. And I think a lot of the growth that we've seen is artificial growth. Yeah, um, I think that's an effect of the internet. Grubhub, all of the delivery services, artificial growth because they're subsidized by, by the, the pricing is not accurate yeah. to, to what the cost of the item is. And so I honestly think it's a little bit dangerous to to look at growth as necessarily a, a validation if, if you're subsidizing that growth in yep. any way, shape, or form. What does John Richards say? You can buy $2 million of ARR with enough funding. That's what you, he said when he came to speak to us. I think you can even buy more than that um, with enough funding. I, I worked for a company that was spending about $5 million a year in its advertising to Ooh. get $20 million in revenue, which isn't awful. Not bad. Um, but all of the revenue ch would churn out within a year. So there's no sustainability in the business model. Yeah. Because, hmm. but they still sold the company for $350 million to- Because uh, they're bringing in 20 a year and yeah. Yeah. And someone looks at it and says, I could do a better job than they are. Right. I could, I could get, I could fix churn, right? Yeah, right. And, and, you know, the revenue doesn't necessarily tell you what the actual costs are or what the profit are. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty easy to say, oh, 5 million in advertising for 20 million in revenue. Maybe that's not so bad, right? Mm -hmm. That must have a profit margin. But if you're also spending, depends, you know, how much you're spending in development, development how much you're spending in support. sales. Heck, the fact that the company was churning every ounce of revenue that it was getting Crazy. every year, probably, I know for a fact, had an enormous cost on the on customer support, on like the, yeah, it's, it was all kind Crazy. of based on a lie. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Carvana case is interesting to me because I think COVID was kind of what put it down. Um, because it was the, so when, when all of the, um, the used car market blew Exploded. up, yeah, because yeah. superconductors became very hard to get a hold of. Right. And, New cars were hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. And so used, used cars were where the money is. It's so interesting to me this. So people watching this don't know, but we're very close to the Carvana building that's for sale yeah. right yeah. now. Right. Um, for a stone's throw. yes, a stone's throw would shatter that building. They have, they've listed the building for sale for $7.7 .7 million. 
Thanks, buddy. $7.7 million for that building. I cannot think of anything else you would use that building for. Who had the cookie idea? You guys heard this, this idea? Utah is also known for the cookie wars. Yeah. Thanks, NBC. Yeah. Um, they said you should have each floor be a different cookie company from Utah. And you should make them so they can rotate, right? Whichever cookies are the best gets to be at the top floor. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you can get in the middle and like go up the little elevator in the middle and then like, okay. Like they all, oh, they all have the same formulas as we've learned. Right. right. So they all need the same they're cookie cookies. material. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's just the same kitchen. You know, you just move the branding up and down. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's my other idea. Sharp idea. Also, We're taking investors all day. Like <laughs> Imagine being a startup and com and convincing yourself that you needed to b build that building. <laughs> a vending yeah. machine? Yeah. In China, they have those everywhere. But they're That's parking fine. garages and they're rentals, like Turo-esque Turo thing. See, if that was a rental company, it would make way more sense yeah. to me. I can't. You mean the buying the, the building itself or building the building itself or the business? The, the vending machine. Yeah. Like the, somebody would actually. The vending machine in, in Utah County. That's Utah the issue. County, Utah. Yeah. That's the issue here. Right? Yeah. Well, part in of. Shanghai, China, where you have no right. space. Yeah. Part of, part of what they're talking about in the value of the building is that this particular highway has access. You, you are exposed to 177,000 people. A day, Every, Not just no. <laughs> but that's their that's their value prop. Is look, almost a quarter of a million hey, people drive past the building. Nineteen gray Toyota Camry up there, <laughs> clear up there. Oh boy, I gotta have it. Yeah, right. If it were a rental company, it makes more sense. But there's yeah. no way that it's sustainable. Like you just can't. You, well, you'd want your rental company probably right by your airport. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, and the know, TI, yeah. the tenant improvements on that to turn into anything else has got to be astronomical. It's just such a dumb way to spend I it. guess I guess even even Teslas, you usually will test drive a car, but like I can't I, I used to sell cars. And the idea of I can see it. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like my first job. The idea of trying to sell a car to somebody sight on well, I guess you can see it, but you're not driving it. <laughs> no one's no one would ever they would laugh at me if, yeah. if yep. we were on the on the floor yep. like there's no no one validated that idea i just can't I believe agree. it Monday. so what are we at for time are we we wrapping up yeah we're about there 15 minutes all right did did we did we come to any conclusions of like What's like good and what's bad? Put a, put a bow on it. Like, what should people actually be doing? How do they? Well, one thing is we're we're talking about MVPs in different flavors, right? We've got the startup where we're trying to figure out a solution to a problem. Okay. Um, one of the things that that might be interesting is is, for instance, what I'm doing right now. You know, uh, the 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 tools that we're working on, I'm not selling them. Right. right. Um. This is this is just part of the package that that our customers get uh -huh. um, for their internal tools. What I'm what I'm realizing because we you know we spun up this team we we started working on the solution to this problem and I think we have landed on a great solution. We're, we're building something cool, but really what I'm doing is I'm replacing the MVP. There is yeah. there is internal tools here the the quick and dirty hacks that make the business move forward that is the actual MVP. 
No, that's a great point. And you are replacing the MVP. I think here's the danger when you're replacing an MVP. Um, early users have a tendency, I don't want to say fall in love with the features because right. it it might be that like, I mean, it was a dirty hack. It's probably not the best solution. But your users end up with a little bit of bias mm -hmm. where I think the most challenging thing when you're trying to move past MVP into like a long-term solution is getting your buyers to fall or your users to fall out of love with the existing solution yeah. and be open to the idea that, that the MVP itself needs to be constantly kind of growing or, or the product itself needs right. to be growing. And, and this isn't necessarily about features. Sometimes the best thing you can do is reduce your features, right? Um, and get really laser focused with those users on what does it take for them to actually be like the most successful using the application? Well, and you posted something on LinkedIn that I commented on a, like a week or so ago about exactly this, where it's they, my biggest concern is cementing bad business process yeah, yeah. right now. You yeah. Know, Never automate a bad business process. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Because then you end up with that story of we made a quick and dirty solution. It'll work fine. And then three years later, we put some systems around it. So now you don't have to click on something. It does it itself. And then another five years later, you've got someone coming in going, who built this? Why is this this yeah, way? Yeah, and why do we need 30 people to maintain this like right. unbelievably janky? <laughs> it's the equivalent of like a crickety table mm -hmm. that someone's got. I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my caution right now is, you know, there's there's different kinds of MVPs. There's different goals, right? You're building products, building solutions, building internal things. Like sometimes you're just trying to fix like a like a business analyst is just trying to fix one problem by itself in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's a just fine strategy, but sometimes you can build entire systems around problems that the solution would have been better if you changed the business process first. Well, and I will say I'm just a believer in like leverage the people who are using the stuff that you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And the biggest mistake people make again and again is they stop talking to the people who they're trying to help. It's just so unbelievably easy to jump from talking to somebody all the time to running. Yeah. Running forward with, I've figured out a solution. Oh, I figured it out, right? And then you stop talking to them because you figured it out. And then you're like, here, I figured this out for you. And they're like, no, you either you, you should have taken me along on the journey so that I had a crosswalk of like a bridge that, that could take me from the, the thing that was in the past to the thing in the future. Or you made a bunch of assumptions about me that were wrong. And the way I'm, I'm using, like, here's what else you didn't know about the business process that's keeping it broken. And, yeah. and you've come in and, and given me a solution that doesn't acknowledge the brokenness of the business process. Yeah, absolutely. Even even now I'm dealing with some of that because you you think you've got two users and then it turns out there's seven different kinds of users. Yeah. It's like, oh crap. Okay. Right. We gotta restudy. Right, this. right, right. Oh, yeah. I thought I I thought I had it. I thought I knew, yeah. but I I didn't. Well, I'm hoping that this has been interesting for our viewers. One thing that I did want to mention, you know, if any of this conversation has got you thinking about projects that you're working on or got you excited about trying something like this. We do 
workshops on this. We do talk about product market fit. We'll do assumption mapping. We will, this is, this is a big part of us as a unit. And so let's get, we'll, we'll figure out some, some actual contact details so that mm -hmm. people can reach out to us if they want to do some of these exercises. And the very best place to reach out to us would be our discord where we're yeah. building our community yeah. um, because all of us are participating there and like we respond to messages there. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. All of that. So we'll get those contact details. Exactly. You have to be a real Very legit. Real, bi legit. real business. I'm actually I'm really looking forward to our first guests um that I've been working on for the little bit. Love you it. know, get soon over here. Yeah. Another Y Combinator company. Like okay. it yeah. should should gonna be awesome. So we'll get those contact details in uh the YouTube uh com or not the comments but the description we'll get it wherever it is you're watching your podcast so you can come and talk to us and see see what you guys think thank you so much for listening to us ramble on about this stuff uh again this is connor this is cameo i'm dallin you guys have a good day